Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for bringing us here to worship you together today. Whether in person or online, we are thankful to have this opportunity to worship you and you alone. And not just worship you today, but every day. You are amazing and worthy of praise. As we reflect on the scripture you've given us today, please give me the words you wish me to say, not my own words. And please give all of us the message you need us each to hear today. Thank you, and we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So this past school year, I was an RA over at uh, Calvin University. An RA is a resident assistant, so that's someone who is usually an upperclassman who is in charge of a particular floor in the dorm building. So along with five other students and our boss, we were in charge of the Bohr Benink dorm building. And that job kind of entails about 15 to 25 hours a week of stuff. So you attend weekly meetings, you do weekly meetings, like you lead weekly meetings, and you also do a couple of events a month. And then you also do rounds. And rounds, you do three or four of them throughout the week. And what happens is you get paired up with another RA and you mosey through the building, uh, each floor, each basement area, all common spaces, and just make sure there's no shenanigans going on that are against policy, as well as build community. So all that is kind of busy. And then we get to classes. You're actually taking classes as well. And then exams start ramping up. And the RA job becomes less of a 15 to 25 hour a week job and more of a all the time job as we get near the end of everything there. And just busy, busy, busy. No time for rest. And I didn't make time for Sabbath. So in high school, I had kind of gotten the hang a little bit of this Sabbath idea, though I still struggled a little bit with doing some homework on the Sabbath and that type of thing. And then in college, that kind of fell off the rails a little bit for the first year or two. So this past year, I was really, really adamant about practicing Sabbath. So it would be Saturday evening into Sunday evening. And then Sunday evening, I would start some homework then. But Based on what I just described, can you see how that kind of fell to the wayside a little bit near the end? I thought I was too busy. Why is that? I'm sure that uh, many of you have had a busy week like that, or maybe that's your typical week. Maybe your only Sabbath time is this worship service. If that, because you know, sometimes our minds are elsewhere, like what are we going to have for lunch today? Or, oh, I really should go into work today and finish up that project. Why do we do this? Why don't we cherish the gift of the Sabbath? And how do we do that? Now, before we get any further into this, let's actually read the text In addition to being the beautiful history of God's hand in creation and his redemption plan coming to fruition through Jesus Christ, 
we believe and know that scripture can and should affect our lives down to the everyday actions and very rhythms of our lives. In an understanding of that, we can humbly turn towards God's holy word for our lives today. Our scripture today will be Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. But before we go into that, let's think about some of the context. So the immediate context is that this is the giving of the law. For hundreds and hundreds of years, about 400, the Israelites were enslaved by the Egyptians. And now they have this opportunity for a fresh start. God gives this opportunity for a fresh start. And that's what this giving of the law is. A new framework of life. So these are the big 10 words, right? There are 600, over 600 laws that are given there, but these are the big 10. We've gone through three of them so far. Let's start on number four. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is the word of the Lord. The Sabbath. Rest or ceasing from work. Both are valid translations of that Hebrew word Shabbat. Now, where have we seen this idea of resting on the seventh day before? We can go as far back as Genesis, the beginning book, right? To see inklings of this ceasing from work. So Genesis 2 verses 1 through 3 says this, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. See any similarities to Exodus there? See, in Genesis 1, God created everything. Light, he created Animals, fish of the sea, birds of the air, and humans. He created everything. And then on the seventh day, did he create something else or put some finishing touches on those humans? You know, there's a couple things to work out yet. No, no, he didn't, friends. He rested. In Genesis 2, God rested as an example to his people and to all of creation. For our next mention of Sabbath, we need to fast forward a bit. So we've got Adam and Eve, and they sin, so bad stuff happens there. And then one kid kills the other. Abraham sometimes has a lot of faith, sometimes doesn't. Sarah's lack of faith encourages sin with Hagar, and we just keep going here. Joseph is a bit braggy, but he's pretty all right. And finally, we get to 
Exodus. There's this 400-year time jump, and the Israelites, the descendants of Abraham, God's chosen people, are enslaved. They're enslaved by Egypt. Egypt, which was once positive towards Israel, has now enslaved them. They work 24-7 now, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Not literally, but quite, quite frequently there. And you know, as a slave, no one's going to bat an eye if you're beaten by an Egyptian. And then, God uses Moses and Aaron to bring his people out of slavery. And in Exodus 16, they have just... They're wandering now, after being free, they're wandering through the wilderness. And they start to grumble. Start wondering, some of them even start wondering, would we have been better off slaves than just wandering through this wilderness? So then God provides. He provides manna, this flaky bread, on every day it appears, and they can go out and gather it. Every day, except for one. The Sabbath day. And the command with that is that the day before you gather twice as much manna and you rest on that seventh day. And then four chapters later, we get to these ten commandments, these ten words. And the fourth is about the Sabbath, which as we can see now, it was very, very important. It's been around since nearly the beginning of creation. And then was used in creating this new framework for the Israelites. So today, as we meditate on God's word, we're going to be thinking about three truths of the Sabbath that we can discover today. The first truth statement of the Sabbath is this. God provides Sabbath as a built-in, consistent day of rest. Not a rigorous rule, but a gift. Let's look at that commandment again. So it's consistent. It's not once in a blue moon or when all the kids are ready and you've had your morning coffee. No, it's this consistent seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And then we can see it's built in nature again in verse 11. Because God enacted that right in the beginning there, showing the seventh day as a day of rest. And it's not a rigorous rule, friends. You know, last week, Pastor Sam was talking about how all the commandments are a gift, right? They're not these rigorous rules. They are a gift of freedom to allow us to grow closer to God. And we need to remember that or we risk becoming too strict and legalistic with the law, including the Sabbath. We'd certainly not be the first to do that, though. So there's over 600 laws in the Old Testament that are described. But then Sabbath ends up with a whole bunch more laws by the time of the New Testament. How'd that happen? I think Matthew Sleeth described the addition of these new laws quite well in his book 24-6. This is a book that's focused on living the Sabbath in a 24-7 working culture. 
let's live 24-6 in a 24-7 culture. So he wrote, you see, people are people. They try to get around the law. So the rabbis started adding rules in an attempt to strengthen the law. By the time Jesus came along, there were hundreds of derivative sabbatical rules. So by the time of Jesus, instead of this gift, the law had become this watchful eye watching every move you make there. And, oh, if you mess up, look out, because that's not good. For, for, some, for some rabbis, even having a bowel movement on the Sabbath was prohibited. So you had to watch what you ate that day. It's all these little things that were not what God had given, but just added. Added legalism. So by the time of Jesus, instead of the life-blessing gift of Sabbath, the Jews had the burden of rigorous rules. Which, as we'll see later in this message, was not something Jesus was a huge fan of. Even today, the problem of legalism or focusing too strictly on the letter of the law is still prevalent. Sometimes we get so focused in on the letter of the law, everything is black and white, and we get so focused in on that for ourselves and for others that there's no room for grace. Then on the other hand, sometimes we might fall into the, we don't want to fall into this camp of Oh, well, since you're saved, just go ahead and do whatever you want. We want to navigate with grace and truth, understanding that the law is a gift, a gift to us, friends. The second truth statement of the Sabbath that we'll look at today is this. God provides Sabbath as a countercultural mark of the God follower. Let's go back to Exodus 16 for a second where they were gathering manna the first time there. Israel is told to take a Sabbath. What? That, that had to be quite the adjustment for them, right? After constant, constant work as slaves, they now have this chance where they can rest on a day in this freedom. Why could they rest? So this had to be hard for them to, to wrap their minds around. And some of them didn't follow that command. Some of them still went out to try to gather manna on that seventh day. And this was God's response. How long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. The Sabbath was most certainly countercultural. Israel had just left Egypt where they were enslaved to work 24-7. Now they were told they could work 24-6. As a gift, they could and should no longer work on the Sabbath. And that was countercultural to the work days of others in their time. 
Not only that, it was countercultural to the work days of Jesus' time. You see, the Jews were under the Roman Empire in the New Testament, and the Romans had some days of rest, but they weren't this consistent seven days, the seventh day rest, and it wasn't to the Lord your God. So interesting enough, within the Roman Empire, the Jews had this special privilege of being able to take that seventh day off. It was countercultural. Sabbath is countercultural both in the Jewish tradition and the Christian tradition. Or at least when Sabbath is followed, Sabbath is countercultural. In his book on the Sabbath called The Sunday Question, Kenneth Greet writes, In a most interesting way, the priests put their emphasis on two apparently contradictory ideas regarding the Sabbath. On the one hand, they pointed back to the creation story, which links the observance of the Sabbath with the rest which God took when his work in making the universe was over. This suggests that the Sabbath is something which belongs to the whole human race and its observance is a universal duty. On the other hand, the Sabbath is regarded as God's special gift to his own peculiar people. It is a sign of Jehovah's unique relationship with them. Sabbath shows the deepening, consistent relationship we can have with God. This unique ability and aspect of Judaism and Christianity is that we have Sabbath with the Lord our God on a consistent basis. How exciting is that? So in the midst of our modern context of busyness, I wonder this. Do we enslave ourselves to a week of busy? Are we willing ourselves into a seven-day work week, directly opposing the countercultural gift from God? I think so. I know I've fallen into that trap before. I mean, look at the example I gave in the beginning there. I think so. Now, I'm a sucker for some of those older songs out there. My parents grew me up on... A lot of classic songs and movies and shows, so I have them to thank for my music taste. And one of this, my favorite songs is Cats in the Cradle by Harry and Sandy Chapman. And that song is a song that is all about this father who is missing out on his son's life due to general busyness. See, in the first verse, his son is born, but he's not there because there were planes to catch and there were bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away. And the song continues like that, as I'm sure many of you know. It's a great song. And the son turns 10 and wants to play ball with his dad. He's not available for that. And finally, the father is retired and he has some time. So he calls up his son and asks if he can get together with him. Son's too busy. He grew up just like his dad. Now that song really gets at the problem of busy in a lot of ways, friends. If you're busy, you can't have time to rest. You got to keep going, going, going. After all, there's planes to catch and there's bills to pay. And if you have to keep going, 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 you don't have time to stop. 
and to be with others, and especially with God. So God's gift of Sabbath butts heads with the busyness of modern culture. The third truth of the Sabbath that we'll look at today is this. Sabbath is God's gift for the community. Scripture is very clear about that communal aspect. See, right here in this commandment, it starts with the individual just for like one word, and then it branches out into the community. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, nor your son or daughter. So there's no causing your family to work on the Sabbath. Don't have your daughter go out and mow the lawn so that you can continue to rest on the Sabbath. Nor your male or female servant. This prevented the Israelites from making those under them work on the Sabbath. For that would be, that'd be like swapping places, right? They would be going from the ones who were being oppressed to the ones who were the oppressors there. Nor your animals. This is fascinating. Nor your animals. Creation gets rest here. And I think that's similar to how all of creation is also getting rest in preparation for the eternal Sabbath when Jesus comes again. Just as we're doing the same in anticipation of that. And finally, the foreigner. So if a foreigner was in the land of Israel, they would also be included in the Sabbath. This countercultural day of rest was an outreach opportunity for the foreigner would experience rest as well. Perhaps that's a form of outreach for us too. But we'll talk about that just a little later. So, how do we go about following this fourth word today? A great way to start, as always, is to look at Jesus as an example. Now, Jesus had a number of fascinating things to say about the Sabbath. In the book that these sermon titles are based on, Ten Words to Live By, Jen Wilkins sums up the ways to do so quite well. We remember the letter of the Sabbath command by resting from labor. We remember the heart of the Sabbath command by laboring for the rest of others. Now Jesus, he rested. We see that. He would go off sometimes in the morning, sometimes other times, and rest with God. He would pray to the Lord. Because Jesus knew the importance of resting and who to rest with. We don't always do that like we should. We get so busy, 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 that we forget to slow down or we neglect to slow down, listen, 
and rest with God. You know, Pastor Brian mentioned that uh, I'm an intern here. Part of that intern program is that there's a class that, get, that I take at Calvin University alongside this. And in that class, we watched this documentary called Godspeed. It's a fascinating documentary. You see, this pastor, he took a call to Scotland. This pastor was used to the busy, busy, busy nature that we all experience here. But in Scotland, his ministry ended up being a lot of knocking on doors and just being with people. So I'd highly recommend checking out that documentary. But one of the phrases that is said in there is they're talking about the average speed that someone walks, about three miles an hour. And so they hypothesize in that documentary that Jesus probably walked about three miles an hour. And isn't that a beautiful metaphor for God's timing? See, we're go, 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 go. And sometimes God's timing is slow, 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 slow in our human eyes when God's timing is perfect. So we need to be sure to rest with God because in that rest we can learn, listen, and be with God. Jesus said in Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In our work-heavy world, we must rest in God's presence, receiving peace and lifting our burdens to the great comforter. That's who we are to Sabbath to, to the Lord. So that's the letter of the law. We are to rest because God made the Sabbath holy. Something else we can learn from Jesus is that he still kind of butted heads with some of the teachers of the law in his time. In Mark 3, verses 1 through 5, it says, Another time Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. And then Jesus asked him, asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill. But they remained silent. <laughs> he looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Huh. That kind of sounds like work on the Sabbath, doesn't it? But friends, what was that work for? 
was so that another could rest. Healing the man with a shriveled hand on the Sabbath was an outreach opportunity to show the love of God to others. Now, this this helping on the Sabbath wasn't necessarily this consistent norm, but it was help as the situation arose. Jesus helped people on the Sabbath. And Jesus, he knew he needed to do this. He's God. We need to prayerfully discern throughout our lives when and how we can help people even on the Sabbath so that they too can rest, so that they too can experience that outreach opportunity. We do need to discern that through the Holy Spirit and through prayer because otherwise we could end up with a consistent lack of Sabbath rest and God still calls us to Sabbath rest. Sabbath means cease, so we must cease and rest in God's love, understanding our dependency on him. And finally, we can have hope and understanding in the ultimate Sabbath. One day, Jesus Christ will return, and through him, eternal rest begins. The restoration of the new heaven and new earth and all creation will be able to joyfully rest with God. So friends, we practice Sabbath also in joyous anticipation of that future promised gift. So based on both the Sabbath truths we explored today, as well as how Jesus reacted in the New Testament, we can know that we are to Sabbath well, resting in God's presence. We are to help others Sabbath well, no matter how countercultural it gets. We are to Sabbath, hopefully, in preparation for the ultimate Sabbath. Now, maybe you do these things often. Maybe you practice those three things frequently, but maybe you don't. Either way, going into this week, think about how you can do one of these things a bit better. Whether it's based on one of the truth statements we discussed today or one of the ways that Jesus showed us how to Sabbath well, think about how we can do so more fully. Because friends, Sabbath is powerful. And Sabbath is not just a couple hours on a Sunday. Truly rest in him who gave us this glorious gift. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word today. We thank you for We thank you, Holy Spirit, for how you guide our hearts today and every day. Lord, please help us to discern what you would like us to change or grow in our lives this week. Please help us to actually do that. Thank you that we can celebrate Sabbath as a community. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.